get told you know ye awareness kar do that's the biggest problem what in our experience getting people to segregate is really not the biggest challenge it's one small part of the puzzle keeping that system going ensuring that the vehicle is going to show up at the right time at the right place with the right you know gunny bags and bins and all of that that is the more uh, tricky part Hello guys and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Sustainability Simplified. Your bi-monthly dose of how to seamlessly build an action-oriented, sustainable and profitable business. We're also now the official podcast for Sustainability Council, which is an international network of sustainability enthusiasts, professionals and entrepreneurs. Register on sustainabilitycouncil.in. Okay, back to the episode. I am your host Zitin, and today we have Gauri, who is the co-founder of a wonderful organization called Carpe Eco Satwa. And what do they actually do? You'll find out in just about a minute. It's great to have you, Gauri, on the episode. Um, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Uh, I think we've been associated for a long time. Uh, great to meet you. The first time you came to Aurangabad. Yeah. Uh, and and really thrilled to be here. Wonderful, wonderful, great. So let's dive in. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, Gauri, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey of really starting Carpe Eco Satwa. Sure. Um, so, I uh, my name is Gauri. I was born and brought up here in Aurangabad, which is where um, Carpe Eco Satwa is based. And um, so, up until tenth grade, I was here. My world was here. Uh, uh, loved the city. Uh, and after my tenth grade, I had the opportunity to go to the Mahindra United World College for eleventh and twelfth grade, which is really when my kind of my world exploded. Uh, it was this campus on top of a hill, uh, really already talking about biodiversity and and sustainability. Yeah. Um, and it had people from seventy five different countries, uh, you know, coming together, and all like teenagers. Uh, so it was it was a mad mess, but it was I think. i think really uh, what opened me out to learning and growing and exploring um so after 2 years at the mahindra united world college i i went to the states uh, to whitman college for my bachelor's in environmental studies and politics um another liberal arts course which you know gave me ample opportunity to study physics as well as social justice as well as like environmental literature um so i think another four tremendous years uncomfortable yes uh, because i i have been an introvert and and kind of dealing with all of that but really the learning and the growth was uh, tremendous the day i left for whitman uh, i was certain i was going to come back no one believed me but i always knew i was going to come back not only to india but to aurangabad i had always wanted to come back to aurangabad and build my career in aurangabad um of course at the time i had thought i'd be like a teacher or a professor or something but so so four years really you know again uh, a whole another explosion of uh, of world views of of uh, perspectives and really when i studied sustainability uh, as a concept uh, i came back i for some reason i had it in my head that uh, rural the rural sector was where uh, i was going to work um i had been in like i had grown up in aurangabad had never had even family Uh, in the rural uh, space, so I don't know why I had that idea. But about nine months into working with uh, an organization in rural development, I understood that I had no no connection, no understanding of you know rural development, and that's when um, I then went to Ahmedabad. It was a TED talk I had heard of uh, Kiran Veer Sethi, uh, who runs the Riverside School, 
I just heard the talk. I felt like I had to apply, uh, and I went to Ahmedabad for a year. Uh, and really, I think credits to my parents and my boyfriend at the time to to just really like the US. Okay, go to the US. You know, for rural development, I was in some corner near Pune. Um, wanna go? Okay, go. Um, so, um, so after a year at the Riverside School, uh, I applied to the Tata Institute of Social Sciences uh, for my masters in urban policy and governance, and that was a two-year course. In between, you know, the summer between year one and two is when um, CRT or Carpe Ecosatwa, as we're now called, started. Right. Uh, that's when I met my co-founder Natasha and. Um, I, I had been using my summers even previously to work with schools on on waste management, and it was very short term projects. Um, uh, and Natasha had just moved into Aurangabad, uh, and she was looking for someone interested in the waste management space. And so through the Facebook grapevine, uh, we met each other, and, and and I think we hit it off um, immediately. We we wanted to understand solid waste management at the time. We wanted to be a think tank. We wanted to research the problem here in Aurangabad, figure out why you know despite having vehicles and labor and resources, why we had all of these dumping points across the city. What was happening to the waste that was leaving our homes, and and so we embarked on that journey, following waste vehicles around town, going to the main dump sites, sitting on those vehicles, and uh, and really understanding what was going on. And uh, parallelly, Natasha did some extensive travel in, in you know Varangal, Parakkal, Hyderabad, Mumbai, Pune, Delhi, understanding best practices from other uh, cities. Um, and and we also did Bangalore and Vedas and all of that together. And so when we we had an excellent report uh, of the challenges in Aurangabad and what we thought would work. And uh, we presented it to the then commissioner, Dr. Harshadeep Kamle, and he said, great report, who's going to do this? I have this system that's been working in a certain way uh, for, for 30 years now. I've had the same people working with the same resources, the same equipment. Who's going to try something, change something? Yeah. And so we looked for organizations, actually, who would come into Aurangabad. Uh, we found one from Hyderabad, but I think the communication with the municipal body took so long that they kind of said, you know, when when things are in a more concrete place, you can get in touch with us. Right. Um, and so that's when we decided to get into execution. You know, we decided we would have to build our own capacities to, to actually implement all that we had found out and all the research that we had done. And so that's when we started with a small colony of 250 households. Right. Um, you know, which had the same problems that the rest of the city had. Waste showing up on the street corners, being burnt, uh, a playground that was turned into a dumping ground. And so we started there. We did the route mapping that uh, Natasha had picked up in Varangal. We did the source segregation that we had learned. Uh, we, we then understood the complexity of the municipal system, uh, the various types of uh, safai karmacharis. Um, how they work with corporators, how they work with, uh, you know, the bureaucratic leadership. Uh, but in about a month, we were able to get about 85-90% segregation. We had redesigned the vehicle. Uh, we had changed, we had created temporary transfer stations so that the effort required by the municipal staff was much lesser. You know, instead of doing frequent and short trips, they could do much longer trips, collect from more households uh, and then come to the, uh, you know, the final transfer point uh, and so we did the 250 households that the neighboring colony also said why don't you do this for us so it became a 500 household pilot then we did one election ward um, and, and then that's really how we got started uh, presently we're a 60 member team 
that works in solid waste management, green cover management, and water body restoration uh, in Aurangabad and 17. We've worked in about 17 other cities for solid waste, and green cover has really been like you know 100 villages and uh, and more. Um, so that's been over the course of about seven years now. Wonderful. How wonderful is that to know about such an immersive experience that you've had through different stages of your life and then how that has really culminated into something so wonderful, which has such a deep impact across the country and even outside, right? So uh, so thanks a lot, you know, for sharing that. You already touched upon certain areas that Eko Satpa really looks at. But if you can if you can also talk a little bit about what are those exciting projects uh, that that either have been done or are being, you know, uh, done by Kape Kostwala to be very helpful for our listeners. In the case of solid waste management, for example, at a very low investment, we're, we're harnessing the existing infrastructure, the same, you know, the safai karmacharis, the vehicles, the transfer stations, the compactors, uh, you know, the bins, everything that the municipality already has. That's what we're using to further optimize and provide a more efficient, a more inclusive and a more sustainable system. So the investment is a lot lesser, but you're mobilizing and, and improving the efficiency, efficiencies of a much larger uh, resource pool. Uh, and so that's been really exciting. Um, so, so that's worked in solid waste because we've worked with about 17 uh, different urban local bodies, transforming the way that they do solid waste management. We've also had the opportunity to train an organization in Argentina and one in Bali. Uh, this was in partnership with McKinsey.org. Um, and, and to really see the process that we've developed for solid waste management, it's called the BOTRAM uh, process, to see that it works, um, you know, across geography, across culture, across language, uh, that is uh, tremendously exciting and uh, satisfying. Uh, in, in green cover management, I think uh, the Green School's mission, um, another great partnership project that brought together the Zilla Parishad of uh, uh, Aurangabad, uh, district, the district collector's office, uh, two funders, Grindmaster and uh, Sugi and Ekosatma and the forest department. So really all of these people coming together, the, it, we had 104 forests being executed in 104 Zilla Parishad schools, executed by the teachers, headmaster and the students, training provided by us, saplings provided by forest department. Funding for fencing and, and the you know and the materials like the cocoa peat and the rice husk and all of that provided by the collector's office, um, and additional funding for you know some specific species that were not available with the forest department or or our, our resources uh, that that were conducting the training and the handholding and monitoring coming from these external funders. So really like lower investment per partner but tremendous impact. Uh, we now have 104 forests uh, in, in the district. A lot of environment education has been enabled through this uh, project. And um, so, yeah, in Green Cover, we've been delivering uh, Miyawaki forests and ecoscapes and, uh, and parks and gardens and developing biodiversity parks um, uh, to various state and private uh, partners. Um, and finally, with Water Body, the, we started off uh, with providing ecological sewage treatment solutions for uh, for companies and campuses. Uh, graduated to Nala uh, restoration and beautification projects, and I think one of the most exciting things happening right now is the Calm River project, which really brings together solid waste, green cover, and water body 
uh, we've had to start the Kham River restoration project by looking at the solid waste, the waste that's being dumped into our nalas uh, and our rivers. Uh, how to stop that, how to track what is coming in, how to retrieve what has been dumped uh, over the years. Um, it's of course also, uh, you know, the enhancement of the river banks, the ecology, the flora, the fauna uh, that that uh, ecosystem supports. Uh, and then of course, once we've kind of trapped the, uh, the solid waste, prevented that, we can get to the water uh, and we're looking at some ecological uh, uh, water treatment, also diversion. Uh, so where the raw sewage was entering the, uh, the river or the nala, we're looking at how those points can be connected back into the uh, underground sewerage uh, lines. Um, so that's been, again, a big partnership project bringing together the municipal corporation, the smart cities uh, team, uh, Verrock, uh, who is a funder uh, on the project, Cantonment Board, which, which uh, you know, is the, the Kham River runs along uh, the boundary between uh, Cantonment Board and the municipal body. And CII, so again, lots of partnerships, which makes it complex, exciting, lots to learn. Uh, and of course, the the impact that is enabled uh, because all of these partners are coming together, uh, it's it's just, I think, exponential. Um, so I think I've answered your question uh, of the exciting project. So I'll also check, you know, the exciting aspects of the of the work that we do uh, at Carpe Ecosocial. Absolutely, absolutely. You have. And I think that really, uh, those were three really solid examples of, you know, what partnerships can really do. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure, you know, a lot of these learnings will be picked up by a lot of our listeners and it will inspire many, especially in this, you know, entire space of solid waste management, you know, water restoration of bodies, uh, as well as green cover management. I also want to shift gears a little bit and you touched upon this a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, having such partnership driven projects can also be very challenging, right? So one, of course, the most talked about topic these days, which is COVID. uh, I do know that Carpe Eco Sattva has done a lot of work around COVID relief, right? So if you can talk a little bit about that and also maybe other challenges that, you know, you've kind of... um, overcome yeah um i think really quite honestly when the covid um, you know when covid first hit uh, it, it was of course about looking out for the team you know we had teams in in rajgurunagar and shirala in different parts of the state looking at how each district is affected how we're going to do we need to bring the team back is it safe not safe and and as that work you know as we were looking at all of that i think one of the first questions to our mind was what kind of support can the waste pickers that we work with and the Safai Karmacharis that we work with, what kind of support can they expect from us? Uh, and that's really when we decided to launch, uh, you know, a, a fundraising campaign for, uh, because the waste pickers were not able to go out and do the picking, the markets, of course, uh, were not fully yeah. functional. Um, and that's when we started the campaign, uh, trying to support all, you know, all 600 of the waste pickers that were associated with us either at our MRFs or even just through, you know, through, uh, through one or two interactions. Uh, we, of course, had generous support uh, coming in from existing partners, from new donors, uh, individual uh, donors uh, largely. Uh, and we were able to do about four months of support um, through dry ration kits. Uh, during that time, of course, we also began to see uh, people who were really walking from Mumbai back to their hometowns uh, also from, of course, other parts of uh, Maharashtra, but to, to see families uh, making that journey by foot uh, to, they were trying to get to Bihar, to MP. 
you know, we, we tried to do what we could again with government partnerships with the district collector's office, yeah. um, with the, uh, you know, with MSRTC uh, to see how transportation could be organized, how it could be mobilized in a way that people's journeys are made more, more comfortable. Uh, and so we got buses and we got trains and uh, all of that organized and we tried to get help as many people as we could uh, to get back to their homes um, safely. Uh, we've, of course, in, into year two, continued to support uh, the waste pickers through the, the Russian uh, kits. And we've, we've managed to keep a bulk of our material recovery facilities up uh, because solid waste management as an essential service continued to run. Of course, there were challenges with, you know, the masks and gloves showing up in the waste and the and the safety around handling um, all of that. But we, we tried and we managed to keep all the material recovery facilities running so that one is the waste pickers could continue to have access and two is, you know, we wouldn't end up with a larger challenge of broken down SWM systems leading to more dumping, more, you know, like more systemic uh, issues. Also because, you know, the boat ramp process that we use in solid waste is largely data driven. So if I can just briefly yeah. explain the boat ramp process, it's a baseline assessment. We use a baseline assessment, which is, um, you know, when we uh, gather data about the existing system, who are, what are the stakeholders, what are their opinions? So we have surveys with residents, commercial establishments, scrap dealers, waste pickers, sanitation staff. We map the garbage vulnerable points. We map all the routes of the vehicles. Really get an understanding of the existing system. Uh, then we move on to O, which is onboarding and orientation, which is when we present the baseline report to the city leadership, political and bureaucratic, and we engage in a kind of a visioning workshop. You know, you're, this is where we are right now in the next 6, 8, 12 months, where do we want to be? And so we come up with a vision statement. And of course, you know, the, the bylaws that will need to be passed, the resources that will need to be allocated, whether it's land for an MRF or, or you know, what have you. Uh, so after the onboarding and orientation, we have training and route mapping, which is when you know, once the leadership is on board and there's a direction, we, we start engaging with the, uh, the sanitation department from the sanitation inspectors to the supervisors to the field teams who are actually engaged in street sweeping or, uh, you know, doorstep collection. We have different training modules for each, each level uh, and we do like a micro plan and a route for each vehicle, each uh, Safai Karmachari so that they know exactly what they're responsible for. Uh, and how they are to do it. The training, of course, includes solid waste specific training and um, you know conflict resolution, public speaking. Because finally, you know these are the people who have regular touch points with the residents, and they're the ones who can carry the messages of waste reduction, of of uh, home composting, or source segregation to each household on a regular basis. Um, and so, after BOT comes resource recovery. R which is when we set up and operationalize our material recovery facilities, our composting sites, uh, things like that, so that as soon as we start getting source segregated waste, there is an end destination uh, where it can be handled effectively. Uh, and once, you know, it's, it's really step five in the process is your awareness campaigns. Uh, often we get told, you know, ye awareness kardo, that's the biggest problem. What in our experience, getting people to segregate is really not the biggest challenge. It's one small part of the puzzle. Keeping that system going, ensuring that the vehicle is going to show up at the right time, at the right place, with the right, you know, gunny bags and bins and all of that, that is the more uh, tricky part. Um, and so awareness is really step five. Once a system has been established is when we start talking to residents and the campaign, of course, has all different colors and flavors, you know, your doorstep awareness, your corner meetings, your rallies, your jingles, your yeah. uh, all of that to really get a movement going around solid waste management. 
And then the last step is monitoring and maintenance, which is where we collect data on the MRFs through spot inspections and things like that. Basically to ensure that the system remains healthy uh, and that allows us to report back to the municipal body where challenges come up. So because we had all of this data, you know, we could effectively change routes to minimize exposure. So if we had a route that was doorstep connection on a daily basis during COVID, we were able to make it an alternate day connection so that the exposure of the municipal teams was short, like lesser. Their time taken to work on a daily basis was also shorter. Uh, and any households, any additional work that needed uh, to be done, there was some flexibility around uh, that as well. Uh, we had, of course, the list of waste pickers in all of the locations that was collected during the baseline assessment. So we were able to reach out, find out how they were doing, whether they needed any uh, assistance. So all the data collection that happened at various stages of the BOTRAM process really helped us respond also uh, during the COVID uh, crisis. So that's kind of the COVID uh, aspect of it. But also, like you said, you know, partnerships are challenging. Uh, I think gender plays a role. Uh, my co-founder and I were both uh, you know, women. That poses a challenge. Uh, sometimes, sometimes an opportunity. Uh, we're now a team of 60, which means we're largely office-centric. Uh, right now, you know, just <laughs> yeah, fundraising, managing teams, recruitments, development, HR, admin. So, um, so I think that's something I personally, uh, you know, feel feel not so great about is the is the limited uh, field interaction uh, that I have, uh, and that's something we're consciously trying to work on. Um, I think also the the advice legally and you know, like compliances wise. I think that's been a big uh, missing piece in this whole journey. You know, like we've learned solid waste on the job. We've learned green cover. We've figured out systems, governments, partnerships. But, you know, from the question of whether we should register as a private limited or a section eight or a partnership, navigating all of that, ensuring that we're keeping up with compliances, that has, uh, I think it, it often gets pushed back to like a low priority thing because you're so excited about the work. But I think not enough mentorship and not enough assistance is available in that aspect. Uh, and that eventually catches up, uh, you know. Uh, so, so I think really for anyone else trying to start up or, or in the process of starting up, uh, it seems like the more uh, not exciting part of the journey, but it's absolutely a crucial uh, aspect to be looking into. And I think just trying to get as many opinions uh, of, of people who have done this uh, uh, I think that I think that I think I would have done differently uh, at the start of our journey is to really try and seek. Also, Aurangabad is a small place, uh, so I think the access to the networks are, were, were not that uh, great back then. Um, so I think that's one big thing that we're like you know seven years into the journey now we're kind of of course we're we're now much in a much better place, but uh, there was a period when we really were setting up. A, a new our, our HR systems, our uh, you know financial systems. So really, I think to have those in place as much as possible from the start uh, is a great, great idea, great investment of time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing that. And talking about compliances, uh, there's something coming up, uh, by the way, which we are at Next Mile Co are working along with Snowcrest Consulting, which is a financial consulting firm. Okay. So we are going to be looking at the sustainable financing and the compliance piece. So we will definitely get in touch with you. This is something that we've realized, you know, over the process where we've, we figured that a lot of 
entrepreneurs are actually struggling with this part and so we are kind of developing a toolkit and we are looking at some knowledge products which will be helpful and can be kind of you know updated from you know time and again uh, which will be at the ready disposal of you know entrepreneurs so um you mentioned this as well that you know challenges can also be opportunities and uh, there are, i mean i say this very often and it's it's a very common term which is like you know there are two sides of the same coin really and uh, i'd also like to kind of let our listeners know that next mile co and carpe eco satwa you know a few months ago we finished a project together uh, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about what we did together and how was your experience there yeah so um so i think we had known zitin personally much before we started uh, the engagement and i think already there was an alignment in terms of sustainability in terms of a lot of introductions to some partners that we're currently working with um and then that's when we I think what was great is that Next Mile Co really understood our journey. Um, like like I said, right in the beginning, there was not so much clarity. We've had uh, you know we have three set we had three separate entities that then had to be streamlined. We Carpe Eco Satwa now is the identity we're going forward with. So um, I think Next Mile Co really took that complicated journey of the multiple registrations, the multiple identities, um, helped us you know look at. the the core message uh, that we wanted to put across helped us identify the target audience um also i think at the time we had an external uh, person who was handling our social media so i think a lot of the resources uh, developed were a great tool for her um to effectively handle our social media she was working remotely of course um and so there was a lot of engagement a lot of willingness to engage um uh, with multiple people within the organization and outside yeah. come up with a, a, a strategy that simplified the complicated uh, brand journey of carpe eco satwa uh, and, and deliver it to the right audience yeah um and i think also what was effective was the audit that you did later right so the strategy has been put in place uh, it has been communicated to the consultant she's been running our social media handles and our campaigns for i think 3 or 4 months after and then there was an audit to look at how things have changed uh, and i think that really sort of closed the loop uh, made sure that we'd gone through uh, you know through a meaningful uh, journey together so i think um, yeah it was a great experience uh, working with next mile co and, and and making sure that that we're often i think it's also a personality thing we're we're not just doing the work but also communicating uh, the work not not because you know of course yes to build up a brand and brand identity but also to to invite more partners to invite more learning to invite more suggestions um so so yeah thank you for that good, good exercise for the entire, entire team at the right time um so yeah <laughs> glad glad that we could kind of add value because uh that's what we really stand for so i'm glad about that because as you rightly said communication can be a very powerful tool for scaling up really uh and by scaling up you you mean like getting partners on board and you know everybody working towards a common vision so i think that's that's absolutely very important wonderful so um great so before we move to the concluding section let's have a quick this is a surprise section it's a this or that section okay <laughs> so <laughs> you have to basically choose one option from the below pairs that i'll kind of list out for you so are you ready sure yes okay wonderful uh, so the first one is uh, mumbai where you pursued your masters or washington where you did your undergraduate studies which one is closer to your heart washington just because i could walk a lot like i could walk and cycle the the scenery was wonderful <laughs> wonderful 
Okay, going to the next question is tackling urban waste related challenges or building urban forests. Uh, I can't choose. <laughs> I, I really can't. <laughs> okay, great. Next is, and that's the last one. Uh, we have. Uh, so, what do you prefer as a means of change, uh, or what do you think is more maybe more impactful? Livelihood generation related work or education and awareness generation related work? Um, I think livelihood. Uh, generation and I, I know that education awareness kind of leads uh, into that but I think at this point there are a lot of ways that learning happens while working yeah uh, and I think often that what that brings is I don't know actually but but just from a gut I'm not able to explain it but from a gut uh, reaction I think I would say livelihood generation at this point in, in, in our journey and in the cities where we are working Absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And um, I'd have probably chosen livelihood as well. <laughs> so yeah, I totally relate to it. Wonderful. So that was a great this or that. Uh, so now let's move to the concluding section. And here I'd like to ask you if there's any particular advice that you'd like to give to any of our listeners who want to really pursue this space uh, or just social change, the impact space in general. Um, I think one first thing is find a great partner. <laughs> um, at least as, as a person, I, I would not do this on my own. Uh, so I think finding the right partner and then building the right team, uh, very meaningful. There are points, of course, when things get like, you feel like, why am I doing this? Like things are going wrong. And that's really when having, having those two things really helps you uh, move past that. Um, second, like I said, you know, getting the right legal and compliance advice as early uh, as possible. Um, Another great uh, this thing. Um, third, I think uh, keeping relationships alive. Um, like I think as we've journeyed forward, uh, there have been partnerships and people uh, that we've lost touch with um, that I wish we hadn't. Uh, and now we're making a conscious effort. And, and I think you know the exercises that, that you had as to making sure we're communicating. It doesn't have to be for any particular reason, but communicating to the people who've contributed to our journey. Um, to help them see where we're at now and how we're doing and, and how things are progressing. Doing that and doing that more regularly uh, and, and just keeping in touch, I think. Um, and I think uh, making sure that your personal lives are getting, uh, are providing a good balance and providing a good supporting, um, you know, like a supportive flow uh, to the work that you're uh, doing. Both my partner and I have managed to have, you know, to get married and to have children in this in this course of the seven years, uh, and, and and it's worked out. You know, it sometimes feels like am I pregnant at the wrong time? Uh, but <laughs> um, you know, the, the the team steps up. The things happened. Uh, things fell in place. Um, so I think not uh, making sure that you're also living your personal lives, um, so that uh, so so that the stress sometimes and the you know, sometimes the seriousness of the work doesn't take a much higher toll uh, than it should. Uh, it inspires, of course, but making sure that it continues to inspire rather than paralyze. Thanks a lot for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will actually res resonate with that and it'll, they'll find it very useful. Uh, wonderful. So um, lastly, how can our listeners really reach out to you and or Carpe Eco Satwa if they wish to? Um, so I think the website uh, is best. It's uh, karpeindia.org and ecosatva.in. 
Thanks a lot for sharing that. Thank you so much, Gauri, for your time. And I'm pretty, pretty, pretty certain that a lot of the pearls of wisdom and a lot of information that you dropped in out there uh, would be very, very meaningful to our listeners who might be trying to build and grow a sustainable business like yours. So thanks a lot again, Gauri, for your time. And take care. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, feel free to share it in your network. My one takeaway from this episode was it is about system efficiencies. That is a bigger challenge than actually, you know, that we need to solve rather than just awareness generation. So keep that in mind. Also, if you found this podcast episode insightful and interesting, and if you're an aspiring entrepreneur or you have an operational business, but don't know how to kickstart your sustainability journey, then... Stay tuned for something exciting coming your way. Follow me on my socials. You'll see the link in the description box to find out more about what's in store. Take care. Until next time. Bye.